Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean in to the topic that God is bringing up today on cleaning up your mental mess. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. All right, I gotta be honest, today's guest doesn't need much of an introduction, but just for fun, I'm gonna read a little bit of her bio to you. I could read facts for days about this amazing woman. When you hear her name, or maybe you saw it in the show notes, you're like, yep, I know who that is. So Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist She specializes in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Woo, that's a mouthful. (laughs) So since the early 1980s, she's researched the mind-brain connection, the nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. She's one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change, also known as neuroplasticity, with directed mind input. Dr. Leaf is the best-selling author of Switch On Your Brain, Think, Learn, Succeed, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, and many more. She's also a part of the Mental Health Initiative in Washington, D.C., and Dr. Leaf is currently conducting ongoing clinical trials using the five-step program she developed while in private practice. Today, we actually discussed this five-step program, which she writes about in her new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. All right, guys, I just got to be honest you need to know you're going to be blown away by the knowledge and the insight from this conversation that I had with Dr. Caroline Leaf. So let's jump right into that today. Well, hello, Dr. Leaf, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Hi, Rachel. Lovely to be on the show with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you look so beautiful. There are so many times that I wish I did video because people would like to see you. Oh, well, you look beautiful yourself. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I know people miss out on getting to see me in my 80s headphones, but you know, maybe one day (laughs) I'll put some selfies for you guys on Instagram. Um, Before we dive into all the things that I have for you, um, I love to ask my guests, what's a fun random fact about you that I did not read in your professional bio? Uh, let me think. I grew up, I was born in Zimbabwe and grew up in South Africa. So that's something. And goodness, I've got four kids, which that's in my bio too. I'm trying to think of something that's random. I am obsessed with um, exercise and working out. Me too. So yeah, <laughs> fasted workouts. love doing that with my, and oh, here's a good one. Four of my four kids, three work for me and my husband also works with me. So we're a real family enterprise. That's awesome. And you guys all get along pretty well, I guess. We do. We get on super well. And we know how to manage it when we don't. We know how to clean up our mental mess. So <laughs> we really do We really do practice what we preach, which is great. Yeah. You know, since you are a exercise fan yourself, I love exercise. And it's weird because when I was younger, I didn't. Um, but as an adult, I've really gotten into it. My husband and I love to do all kinds of just adventurous things. And earlier this week, the workout I was following called for box jumps. And I have this love hate relationship with box jumps because I feel like it's a very mental thing for me. Yeah. You know, like I really, my mind, like if I, if my mind is not in the right place before I start those, they're not going to go well for me anyway. So yeah, I, I overcame my fears though. I even posted an Instagram reel about it because I was like, 
these boxes are not going to get the best of me. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so I did them. Well, you you bring up a very relevant point about mind in exercise, you know, and that's the whole my whole thirty eight years of being in this field is looking at what mind is, and mind is the source of everything. So the way we're going to exercise with our, is determined by our mind, and the benefit we get from exercise is determined by our mind. So there you go. So you you hit the nail on the head right right out the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I oh for sure with exercise, I see that because. Whenever I ran my first marathon, um, that was, it was totally a mental thing for me. People have asked me, how'd you do it? I'm like, it was, it was seriously mental. I, I had to renew my mind the entire way. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of the mind, you have written another book. What, what number of book is this for you? This is number 19. 19. That's 19th. So yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. I have this one in my hands. And at the time of this recording, um, when it releases, the book literally just came out yesterday. So you guys, uh, at the end of the show, we'll be sure to tell you where to find it and all the things. But the name of the book is Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. Woo, do we have about five hours to talk about all that? No. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of about the amount of time we need to just begin the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, where should we start? So tell us about where this, where this idea for this book came from and the heart behind it. Well, I've been in the field for 38 years now. So for almost four decades, I've been doing clinical research um, as a scientist in the mind-brain connection. So studying what mind is and what brain is and what thoughts are and how we think and can we control it and I practiced clinically for 25 years and now I basically go around world teaching about the mind-brain connection and podcasts and books and so on. So this book has come out of its cumulative over all these years of research. And I just recently did, um, I finished early 2020 with um, a clinical trial and um, it basically helping us to understand just the impact of when we direct our mind, when you renew our mind, what can actually change and how, how that impacts our brain and our body and how we function in life. And it's so significantly powerful that it's essentially cleaning up your mental mess is if you're human, you're going to make a mess of things. It, we all battle. It's basically our response to life. And we have to constantly capture thoughts and we have to constantly renew our mind. So really, this is the science behind how to bring all thoughts into captivity. So what is a thought? How to bring it into captivity? And how does a thought relate to mind? And how do you renew your mind? And then with the whole scientific base. And science is so important because science and spirituality are one and the same thing, just looking at it from two different angles. You know, where spirituality is the story, science is the how-to of how the story works. So it's very important to ground things in science so that you know that there's an, you know, you understand why and how things work and why you're doing what you're doing. So cleaning up your mental mess was birthed out of helping people to understand that we need to level the playing fields, that life is tough and there's, it's, it's messy and we need to know how to repair and grow through the mess and no one's exempt. If we if you're alive, you can, you can land in a mental mess. It also challenges the current mental health paradigm, which people are not talking about sufficiently I mean, the church is pretty bad about talking about mental health as well. Only three to four percent of people are actually discussing mental health in leadership as well, across not even in the across the board, corporate environments and so on. Only three to four percent of people leaders are talking about mental health, and mental health has been seen as an illness, and it's not. So I challenge that in this book as well that it's not an illness; it's a response to adverse circumstances, and we have different types of mental health responses. 
And then just basically, how do you manage your mind from day to day? So it's also linked to the concept of the easiest way to understand the mental mess and the mind is that you, you can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three minutes without oxygen, but you don't even go three minutes without using your mind. So if our mind's always working and our mind works through the brain and the brain is always responding to the mind, you, then you may as well learn how to direct that change. You may as well learn how to manage your mind so that you control the direction of the brain changes and the body changes and therefore how you function. Yeah. Woo-wee. All right. We're going to church today. I have always loved um, how you do such a beautiful job of marrying the science with the spirituality. I think that's just so powerful. Those are two of my passions personally. And I'm like, oh, we get to talk about both. That's so cool. I've always loved that verse in the Bible, you know, how he tells us to take our thoughts captive. And I feel like sometimes we kind of look at that verse and are like, I feel like we replace that word captive with, eh, Yeah, like not really take it that seriously. I don't know. So you mentioned a second ago, what does that look like to take a thought captive, like from all perspectives that you teach on? What does that look like? Well, essentially, you need to understand what a thought is before you can capture it, because otherwise we're talking about something that's just thrown around. As you you said, people talk about thoughts, words, emotions, memories. And as though they're something separate, but meanwhile, that's who you are. So we should start to understand thought. We need to understand what mind is and what brain is and what the difference is. So the mind isn't the brain. The mind and brain are separate, but they're inseparable. So your brain obviously is part of your body and it's part of your physical. And it's around about 1% of who you are, whereas your mind is 99% of who you are. And it's the spirit soul part of you. And there's a conscious and non-conscious part and a subconscious part. But essentially the mind is a gravitational field. We can use things like quantum physics and electromagnetics and things to and gravitational forces to understand mind. And then you've got the brain, which is physical. So we use neuroscience to understand the brain. So we, as I said earlier on, we're always thinking. You don't even go a second without thinking, using your mind. So if you and if you think, you will feel, and if you think and feel, you will choose. So mind is what you do all the time, and mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing. So you're always thinking, always feeling, always choosing, and that produces something. It produces a product, and that product is a thought. So a thought is a thing that is in that is produced by your mind in your brain. So it's stored in your brain and it looks like a tree and it's made of proteins and the little proteins have little vibrations in them, quantum vibrations. So my words, what you're hearing are auditory signals, but they are converting through your mind. So you're receiving my words, you're thinking, feeling and choosing, and you're pushing that through your brain and your brain is responding on all these levels, electromagnetic and chemical and neurochemical and genetic. And you're turning my words into little trees in your brain. And so this would be one tree and this would be one tree about mind, brain, Dr. Leaf, whatever. And as I'm talking, um, you're growing little roots on the tree with each little root is, is like a little memory. And you're growing a tree trunk, which is giving you some sort of an angle and perspective on what I'm saying. You're growing little branches above the ground, which are all memories about how this would translate into behaviors and emotions. So you're growing a tree as I'm speaking at 400 billion actions per second. And that tree with branches is a thought with memories, like a tree has branches branches, thought has memories. So thought is a product of your mind and your mind responds to life. So when we think about bringing all thoughts into captivity, that's quite a profound thing. What we're doing is we need to be able to capture that tree. We need to be able to look at that tree and to be able to analyze that tree and see, is this is this a healthy 
tree? Is this a healthy thought? Is it producing healthy behavior? Or is this something that I need to renew? And that process is pretty much what I teach in this book. And I call it the neuro, neuro cycle, neuro meaning brain, cycle meaning to, to cycle through. So the neuro cycle is a five-step, 38-year researched, clinically applied and clinically researched system that allows you to literally do what I've just described, allows you to stand back and observe your own thinking, feeling and choosing and the thoughts that you produced as a result of it and even to track backwards look at the thoughts through your behaviors and then track back to how what what the root was of that and that so that process is basically capturing a thought so how would you do it practically so i'll give you a visual and then i'll give you an example and then it make will make a lot of sense so let's say that you imagine a forest so everyone can visualize a forest but this forest is endless and you are flying in a helicopter so you in the helicopter are you observing yourself you are using your mind you're made in god's image mind which is perfect because god is perfect so at the core of who you are is this mind that is wise. And when we connect to the spirit of God, we connect into wisdom. So when we when we self-regulate, when we mind manage, which is renewing the mind, we are basically getting into a state where we are connecting with wisdom and we're standing back and we are saying, okay, we're in our helicopter and we're flying over our life and we are watching ourselves. So maybe you're having a, a argument with your husband or you're getting upset about something going on at work or whatever, You that's maybe or you're getting angry or jealous or envious or whatever it may be, you're capturing the thought means that you would use your mind, your thinking, feeling and choosing to stand back and observe what you're doing and then analyze it. So you'd literally be in a little helicopter and then you're flying over and your spotlight shines on this little dark clump of trees in the forest. And that's where there's a problem. There's a wind rustling and things going on. So you land your helicopter and you capture that thought. You focus in on that thought. You choose. So you've got to get, you get drawn into that thought. How do you find that thought in the first place? Through warning signals, like an alarm, alarm wakes you up in the morning. Or these thoughts will produce warning signals. So healthy thoughts produce healthy warning signals of peace, happiness, all that kind of stuff. But when you feel a lack of peace, when you feel frustration, irritation, depression, anger, irritation, never just push those aside and think, oh, those are bad. I mustn't think about them because that's not going to help you. What you need to do is look at those in the face, literally focus on them because they are signals telling you that there's something going on. They are signals or symptoms of an underlying something that's going on. So if you just push them down and suppress them, you're not capturing the thought, you're not renewing your mind. In your brain, you're actually causing brain damage, which is what I explained in the first half of the book for my clinical trials. If you're aware of something and then you just shove it back down, you basically are going to damage your brain, right? You're going to cause um, an imbalance in the functioning of the brain. It's going to get low energy, low blood flow, physical damage in the brain. You, your cortisol levels will rise. You'll get increased inflammation, even down to the level of your DNA. And that will obviously impact how you behave, what you're thinking, feeling, choosing, your emotions, how you're functioning mentally and physically. So that's why we have to capture thoughts because thoughts that are toxic are damaging the brain and the body and so the physical and mental health and how we function in life. So we, we've got to be constantly self-regulating. And we see from neuroscience that we can do this every 10 seconds. So if you think of what prayer is, Prayer is not just what we think when you just pray. That's one form. But 
I believe that what we should be doing is living lifestyles of continuous prayer, which is where we constantly self-regulating and checking, okay, that way of thinking, that thought is not in alignment with, with operating in love. So I need to capture that thought and renew it. So how do I capture it? You're capturing it by looking at the signals, as I mentioned, and the signals, there's different types of signals, and um, you're going to look at the emotional signals like depression, anxiety, um, anger, frustration. You pay attention to those. You don't push them down. You see them as helpful messengers. The other type of, of signal is your physical. So what's your body doing? You've got GI symptoms. Are you tense? Is, it, is there adrenaline rushing through you? So you look at your physical. You look at your behaviors. What are you saying? What are you doing? What are your bodily, your nonverbal communication? What's the impact on the relationship? What's the impact on your work, on your functioning, and so on? So you look at your behaviors. You then also look at your perspective on life. How are you seeing life through this toxic thought? Is it are you seeing life that life sucks and that this is terrible and you know that you you've you've got this jealous attitude or something like that? And then you track back down to why do you think like that, which is the origin, which is the roots. So that's catching the thought. And what I've described there is, is the, the warning signals that draw us into the thought, that call us in to pay attention. So as soon as you're feeling anxiety or depression or any kind of, that's not an illness. That is a symptom of an underlying cause. So you, what you want to do is capture that by paying attention to the signal, embrace them. Like Jesus went in the garden and embraced what was coming up. We need to, That's the model of mental health. We need to face our stuff. And once we face the stuff, the only way out is through. Um, then we can start the work of applying the neurocycle, which is a directed, it's how you direct your thinking, feeling, and choosing, how you basically use that to take advantage of neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain to change in response because your mind is building these thoughts in your brain. So you capture the thought and you're using your mind to direct how you want that thought to change in your brain. So you're literally transforming neural circuits in your brain and you're rewiring the toxic thoughts. So you're changing your neurophysiology in your brain, which means that you're going to change the functioning in every cell of your body. So you improve mental and physical health. So the five steps are helping you do that. It's a it's a um, directed, deliberate, and intentional, systematic way that you regulate your mind and basically find find the origin story and turn it around on its head and reconceptualize it so that you remember how you were, but you function differently. So we can go into the five steps in a moment, but that's the big picture. So recapturing the thoughts is paying attention to the signals, and then renewing your mind is doing the five steps. And you do that in the moment, like day-to-day -day stuff, like you get in an argument and you've got to suddenly get and do a podcast. You've got to get your mind back together or someone sends you a toxic email or you get a toxic comment on your post or your kids do something or you suddenly get this situation in your life with work or whatever, but those things that catch you. So in the moment stuff, so you can go through the five steps in five, a few seconds, 30 seconds. In addition to the in-the-moment stuff, just managing the day-to-day -day mind stuff, because your mind's always working, you also have stuff from the past. We have toxic traumas, childhood traumas, adult traumas, things that have become established and that are impacting how we function. And those took time to wire in, so they take time to wire out. So for things like toxic traumas and toxic habits, you wouldn't do it just in the moment. You would do the five steps in a very sequential way. In five steps every day for for 21 days for 15 to 45 minutes. And then after 21 days, you would have actually found the tree, landed the helicopter, 
identified the branches, the behaviors down to the roots and the, which are the origin story, kind of taken the tree out the ground, reconceptualized re and regrown the tree with your story of the past, but now reconceptualized. That takes about three weeks. Then it takes another six weeks of about a minute a day of work to give that new tree a lot of water, a lot of energy, consciously practicing it to make it strong enough to impact your behavior change. So that's the basic overarching principle. And then I don't know if you want to unpack it and unpack that a little bit because I said a lot. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. I don't know how basic it is, but it is it, you said it's a basic principle. Yeah, I do want to get into the five steps, but before I do, you said something that by the way, I would wear this saying on a t-shirt. You said we need to face our stuff. I think that's like a motto we all need to to do. Yes. I have a question for you though. Um, you know, you talked about different signals, and we all have experienced these signals, like you said, emotional, physical behaviors. Why is our human knee-jerk reaction to stuff? Like I like it to numb the things, to ignore the physical symptoms, to maybe take a pill that will take away the symptom, but it's sure not getting to the root of it. Why is that? I feel like that's a big hurdle that a lot of people struggle with. Why why is that? Okay, so there's two odd parts to that answer. The one part is that since the beginning of time, people have battled with mental issues like this, with mind issues. So we need to make sure that we understand that mental health is not an illness. Chemical imbalances and myths, these are not real. You can't say uh, you have clinical depression and it's a chemical imbalance and it's an illness like diabetes, which is the message we're getting today. And it's very unfortunate because it's actually increased uh, mental health problems because it's created mismanagement of mental health. If we track back to uh, about 50, 60 years ago and earlier, we treated the whole person. We looked at the whole person in the context of their life. So if someone was battling mentally, we would look at, okay, what's happened to them and what's their whole story? And you'd bring in a sort of a team of professionals and you would look at this very much at the sort of mind spiritual side. We've moved into an era currently today that is very much around, a, very much a result of the advances in medicine and technology, which are good, but are also bad because it's become, we've become very, what we call neuro-reductionistic. So we've become very focused on brain, brain, brain and biology and the physical. So now, so now what we've done, that has created all these complex mind stuff. It has simplified them down and misery has become medicalized. And so it's a quick symptom checklist, a quick diagnosis, a quick label, which locks you in, and then some sort of a, a medication or quick sort of series of therapy techniques, like 10 step, 10 sessions of CBT or something like that. And now your symptoms are gone. So it's all symptom reduction focused. So even the language, diagnose, label, treat with symptom reduction, that has the language of medicine, which works beautifully for the body. For the, if you've got a cardiovascular issue or immune system disorder or something physically wrong with your body, but it doesn't work when it comes to the mind because the mind can't just be simply, your experience can't just simply be lumped into a list of symptoms. And the symptom checklist can't be the same for every person because if you've got three people that are suffering from, that are severely depressed and you asked each of those three people what their story was, they would be totally different. So you couldn't say those three have clinical depression and treat them with a cookie cutter approach because you're taking away all their humanity. Um, what you want to do is you want to bring in 
the whole story. So I say that to say that we, with our advance in medicine and technology, we've gone for a quick fix mentality. And that's actually um, created this desire to Let's just push it down. I don't have to deal with it. I feel a bit of pain. Must be something wrong. I can go get a tablet to numb my pain. So it's a product of our current society. And if we look at the research, we see that the trend of people living longer has reversed because of this very attitude. If we don't treat the whole person and work on the mind, people are going to make bad decisions about their life. And people are dying 15 to 8 to 8 to 25 years younger from life from preventable lifestyle issues. So we live in an era and that era began in the in the mid 90s hits a peak in the in mid, between 14 and 15 2014 and 2015 and has continued to get worse. Then we had covid that hit us. So already society was in a super bad place when it came to mental health also the advance of processed foods and that kind of thing. So society was in a bit of a mess where it was everything's quick fix, quick food, quick medication, quick and that's led to a lot of suppression, a lot of not dealing, a lot of not facing, a lot of not I don't want to feel the pain. I don't need to feel the pain. If I feel the pain, there's something wrong with me. I better get medication. And that's the message. There's also, and, and that has to change because suppression damages the brain. And I show that with my clinical trials. There's actually beautiful pictures in the book of brain scans showing like a blue brain, which means that things are suppressed and it's causing brain damage. But we can reverse that. So with renewing the mind, we can actually fix the brain damage because the brain is always changing. So if you change your mind, you change your brain, you change your body. We also suppress because we have what we call an optimism bias. And that optimism bias means that it's basically the fact that we're wired for love. We're wired for love, which is survival. Operating in love is survival. We see that in the brain and the body, and I'm holding up just a model of the body and with a brain in it, basically that we see from neuroscience and the study of neurobiology and, and biology that we don't actually have anything in us for toxicity. Everything is designed for, for love. So if we operate in jealousy, for example, the little thoughts that you build that are these little tree branches, they actually vibrate incorrectly and the proteins fold incorrectly and that's damaging and it sends out a message to the immune system that hey there's something wrong here like when your body has a virus like COVID or flu virus or measles immediately your immune system sends out a response and inflammation is temporarily set up for healing to take place your, your brain and body's immune system recognizes a toxic issue in the same way so toxic trauma that's suppressed a toxic habit that's being not dealt with a be toxic habits and behavior patterns that we're not dealing with, something happens, we push it down, we ruminate. All of that that stuff is actually causing these vibrations that, for, that are incorrect in the brain. These proteins fold incorrectly and it causes an excess of inflammation and that affects how we function. So then we, that's supposed to go away. But if we don't deal with our stuff, it doesn't go away. And then, so then we suppress it because it comes up and it's painful. And we've been in a society now, as I said, that you just want to you know, not, not deal with it. So our natural inclination is actually to go to towards survival and operating love. And that means exactly the model that we have with Jesus. To get through something, you, you actually have to get in the garden and face it. So I talk about the garden of Gethsemane, obviously, and where Jesus sweated blood. So we see the brain, body brain link, mind brain link there, where things got worse before they got better. And then you know, the beating and hung on the cross, but then Jesus rise with wounds, wounds, the wounds in his hand. That is reconceptualization, where you will go through. No Nowhere does Jesus model 
that we need to pull out, get a quick fix, run away, suppress. There's no suppression when it comes to dealing with mind issues. There's only facing. You get in the garden, face it. It is going to get worse before it gets better. But that's how you go through. The only way out is through. And then, you know, it will get worse, as I said, and eventually you'll you'll kind of reach an epiphany moment, which is the cross, and then you'll rise again with the wounds in your hands, and that becomes your story. So you don't want to push your story out, but you've now reconceptualized your story. So in essence, capturing thoughts, renewing the mind, getting in the garden, what we're talking about is not suppressing, but um, embracing, processing, and reconceptualizing. So the inclination to suppress besides the, the information I've given about our current modern quick fix technological age, is actually being drawn towards the pain to fix. Because people often say, why are we drawn to the negative? And then why do we want it, it gets too hard and then we want to push it down? We're not drawn to the negative. We don't have a negativity bias. We have a positivity bias or an optimism bias. And for survival, we can't have, as I mentioned, that damages your brain. You get all this inflammation. So we are drawn to the negative to fix it. We're drawn to that that is all psyche, the way that our brain is built, the way that our body is built, it's imbalance. It's, it's it's threatening our survival. It's the opposite of love. So we're drawn to that to fix it. So it's hard. So that's where people don't like the hard. And then it's just, okay, I'm not going to do this work. I'm going to push it down. Then you get stuck. And then you're ruminating and you know stuck ruminating, over-catastrophizing, over-generalization. All these things are popping up as warning signals. And then you push those down and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then it leads to, you know, bigger and bigger things and more psychotic breaks and so on. So we have to deal with our stuff. And that's what cleaning up the mental mess is about. It's teaching us to say, embrace those. Don't be scared. See depression, anxiety, those warning signals in your mind and body, emotional and physical as messengers, as helpful messengers to celebrate, not because of the fact that depression doesn't feel good, but if you face the depression, you'll find the message. You'll find the way through. Suppression, you'll never get through it. So that's kind of the long answer to a very good question, by the way. Get in the garden and face it. That was a word in due season right there. And again, another t-shirt I would wear if your team needs any ideas. So. <laughs> I love all these t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. I'm a t-shirt junkie. So oh, I, oh, yeah. I should be hauling out these t-shirts as I say them. I should say, okay, here's the t-shirt. Here's your t-shirt. Yeah. Well, you know, I just love that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I get sent stuff in the mail all the time. And I'm always like, hey, if, if it's a good saying that I, it's a cause that I want to support, I will do it. So get in the garden and face or a mug, whatever you prefer. Today's episode is brought to you by JoyMail, the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com, click the Start Here tab, and sign up for the newsletter right there. Okay, so I do think my listeners would be very mad at me if I got off here without asking you, what are the five steps? <laughs> Absolutely. So just, well, I'm going to very briefly explain them, but I just want to reiterate that they're very simple, but they're very profound and they need to be done in the order that, that they've been designed because they know, it's not a technique. It's not a quick fix. It is a system where you are learning to self-regulate your brain. So like we look, go to the gym and you train to get it to get strong at gym. You can't do everything the first day. You don't become a pro athlete and without training, you don't get into the, exactly the same thing with our mind. Like we train our body to eat well and to exercise, we should be doing mind training. We should be doing this with our kids from babies. Mind is malleable, it's trainable, it's a skill. So as a child, ch baby, child, adult, 
and, and and elderly at no matter what age you are, we should always be training our mind. So that's the, the renewing our mind. If you re, it's renewing, it's a continuous, it's a, it's a continuous um, concept. So it's you are renewing. It's a lifestyle. So I'm busy. I'm basically giving you the tools for constantly renewing. That's what the five steps basically are. And then if you think of bring all thoughts, it's not just one thought. It's all thoughts, and you're always thinking thoughts, which means that. Every second, you're supposed to be capturing thoughts. If you think of it that way, every second, you're supposed to be consciously, deliberately self-regulating and thinking, okay, I've just had that thought. What should I do with that thought? Is it impacting my behavior? We should be training ourselves to look at our behavior. What are you saying? What are you doing? How are you saying it? How are you doing it? What's the impact? And that's what the five steps train you to do, train you to become a very self-regulated person. So you train yourself to use them on two levels. The one level is you learn to use the five steps in what I call a neurocycle life hack, which is in the moment, which you can do in five seconds. So let's, as the example I gave earlier on, you just have an argument or something and you've got to get yourself together or you've got to deal with someone snapping at you and you've got to just get yourself together. You can use the five steps like that. And then the other way is to do it daily for 15 to 45 minutes over 21 days. And then for the, from day 22 to 63, which is in, which is in nine weeks in total, you basically practice just for one minute a day. So what I'm saying is that if you want to change a behavior, you use the five steps daily for, for, for basically 21 days. And then you use the last step, the fifth step for, an, for every day for another 42 days. Most people give up at day four, day three and day four. And then they wonder why their behavior isn't changing. So for you to actually fully change your mind, to change your brain, to change your behavior, you need 63 days. So you'll see that the, the cycles are arranged in 63 days. And so we should always be doing one. When you go from, when you finish one work, you take one thought through a cycle and remember a thought is a tree and like a tree has got branches, it's got a lot of memory. So when I say work on one thought, it's one concept, but it's going to have lots of information in that. So in that one thought, if you think of an argument maybe with someone, there may be the concept of the argument between couples, for example, that can build up. That's going to be let's say argument X, but in argument X are all the incidents and all the emotions. So lots of memories come up with the thought. So that, um, that, that takes time to unpack. So you would work with that over 63 days in the way that I've described five steps, 15 to 45 minutes every day for 21 days. And then Step five thereafter. In the moment, though, you can do it in the five in five seconds, five minutes, if you've got to catch yourself. And then you're working on the two at the same time. You also use it to what we call brain build. And brain building is essential for mental health. And that's learning new information. So there's a whole section on brain building, and it's one of the most unspoken of mental health tools that you can that you can get your hands on. Because when you build your brain, you build resilience. So our brain is hungry to learn, our mind is hungry to learn. So that you can use the five steps to learn how to learn. Each step has been meticulously worked out in terms of what is happening in the brain, what is happening in the body, what's happening in the blood, in the DNA, all the way through. And I show that in my clinical trials as well. So the first step is to the first step is to, uh, to get the, I'm going to say the five steps and I'm talking about how we prepare our brain is to gather awareness. Gather is a beautiful word. Gather awareness is think of the image of 
you sit under an apple tree and there's tons of apples and the apples, you just shake it and all the apples are falling on your head and knocking you out. You're very aware of those apples. So you can either become very aware of your emotional and physical warning signals in that way, which is chaotic and can overwhelm, or you can be very deliberate and actually pick the apples and put them in a basket. And that's what I mean by gathering awareness. The apples that you pick are, I'm gathering awareness of my emotional warning signals like depression, anxiety, frustration, angst, whatever. I'm picking the apple that is telling me about my physical warning signals, like what's the pain I feel in my heart or what is my bodily response? What's going in my body now as I feel that frustration or whatever, tension in your heart or adrenaline rushes or whatever. So that's the apples. You, you So you are directing your attention in a very deliberate way. You are um, systematically guiding your thinking and feeling and choosing about what are your warning signals. So it's like you in two minds, you, you've got your wise mind, which if you imagine that forest that I spoke about in the beginning, in the middle of that forest, there's this beautiful green strip of uh, a huge green strip of beautiful trees with beautiful water. That's your wise mind. That's your made in God's image mind. All the trees around that are the result of your free will, your ability to think, feel and choose. And so you build all these got big green trees, small green trees, some dark, toxic looking trees, which are, and each tree represents the experiences you have had since you were in the womb at birth and growing up. So there are trillions of trees in your forest and they keep changing. They keep every experience you have every day. There's more trees coming in. So it's a really busy forest, but the middle is the solid, wide, full of wise mind. And we need to draw on that. We need to deep dig down into the depths of our non-conscious spiritual mind and use that wise mind in the process. So when I talk about gathering awareness, you literally Actually step into that wise mind. So you connect with the spirit of God, you connect with wisdom and you say, okay, I'm going to stand back and observe myself. I'm going to pick these apples. What am I feeling? Depression, frustration in the basket. What am I feeling? Adrenaline rush, tension in my, in my, my shoulders. Okay. Then you go and say, what are my behaviors? I'm irritable. I'm, I'm getting really frustrated. I'm feeling tired. In the, in the baskets. And then you're going to look at your perspective. So what's your perspective in life uh, in terms of this particular thing that you're working on? And it may be life sucks or you're unhappy. And, and most of the time you just feel whatever, whatever it is. So now you've captured that thought. So that's you gathered awareness of it, um, of those four elements. Then you're going to go into reflect. Reflect is a very big word as well, very all-encompassing word. And it's a mental, it's where you basically become like a detective. You ask, answer, discuss. What is, why am I feeling this? Why have I got that signal? Why, 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 why? And as you answer, but why? As you answer, why? And you discuss, so you're getting to the core of it. Then you write that down. You capture what you've reflected on. And when you write, you write in the form of a metacog. All of this, by the way, is clearly in the book laid out with graphs and with tables and tons of examples. So it's super easy to apply. There's also an app that goes with it called the NeuroCycle app that you can also get. Um, and that's, that basically walks you through the process. So the two together are very complementary. It's literally getting all the therapy you need. Um, so then the writing down in the Metacog basically is, it, it helps to Draw, dig down into that forest of the brain um, in the mind, helps the two sides of the brain to work together, increases blood flow, increases what we call the alpha, beta, gamma, theta ratio in the brain, which is the different frequencies, because the brain is not a generator of mind. If you're dead, your brain's dead. But if you're alive, the thing that's keeping your brain and body alive is your mind. Your mind is how you think, feel, and choose. You've got your wise mind, which is the made in God's image mind, and then you've got your mind that kind of can go crazy and messy. And we need to draw on the wise mind too 
huge. And that's what this process is doing. It's teaching you. So when you write down, you're tapping deep into the depths of, of um, how, why you're doing this. So it's, it takes you even deeper. It allows the two sides of the brain to work together. So you do a lot of neurophysiological things. 1,400 neurophysiological things start working for you instead of against you as by this stage as you walk through these three steps. If you didn't do so far these steps, if you just ignored and suppressed, 1,400 neurophysiological responses are working against you and breaking your brain and body down and affecting your mental health. So it's very meticulous. The steps are very scientifically organized and structured. Once you've written down in the form of a metacog, which is like a tree, tree-like structure, you then, a bit, and you don't have to worry about, you just literally vomit the words on the page. Just get it out in these little branch structures and that you'll be amazed at what actually comes out. It's messy and that's okay because now you can grow. Through the messiness, we can we can repair and we can grow. So the recheck step is how we repair and grow, how we do a mental autopsy, asking where you're looking for patterns and triggers and so on. And then the fifth step is like a little full stop where you it, it ends a sentence. It closes the work for the day and it ends in some kind of an action. So you get to a point, you're not going to solve everything in one day. That's, that's the point of understanding when you're detoxing a trauma or detoxing a habit, you're going to take that 21 days and then practice the first step for the other 42 as I mentioned so it's not going you're not going to find the answer in one day you're just going to see part of the the picture so the active reach is something little that you can grow out of your recheck it's a basic statement it could be something as simple as if you are working on a sexual trauma issue that's affecting a relationship the first day your active reach could be saying something like I am not shame or it could be you may be working on that you're stuck on on perfectionism and and it's affecting your functioning and and then you'll have a little statement, I don't have to be perfect every day. What does perfection mean? And so you just, you set it to, to pop up seven times a day. You can either use the app and then it's got a little active reach your mind or use it on your phone where it just pops up and you just read it on your phone and that keeps it in conscious awareness during the day. So it anchors you in a place of peace, does incredible things in your conscious mind, your non-conscious mind, your brain, you're putting on energy, um, in energy into your brain, you're ch changing those vibrations in the proteins. So there's every step is doing this neurophysiology that's very complementary. You're influencing how the genes are expressing themselves. You're influencing how the neurochemicals are going from a chaotic state to order. So you're bringing order out of chaos because when we're dealing with stuff that's hard, we can get very chaotic. So these steps, um, and if you ignore the signals, these your brain can get very into neurochemical chaos. And that's why I talk about a mental mess. So these steps are meticulously cleaning your mental mess. So as if you did the five steps daily over time for the acute traumas, toxic traumas, habits, and so on, you would then have a little active reach. The next day you'd pick up and you would go to the next level. So you're not going to solve it every, you've got to keep going. And you have different time checkpoints, four day, say four day, seven day, 14 and so on, where you've, you'll feel definite growth periods. And I talk about that in the book as well. If you do stuff in the moment, that's to help you um, deal with it quickly. So you'd maybe spend a minute or so on each thing. Whereas when, you, when you're working over 63 days, you're spending around 15 to 45 minutes. So if you're doing it in the moment, you're spending about a minute per step. And sometimes maybe 10 seconds per step, depending on if it's an in the moment and you've got to get yourself together and you've got like 10 seconds to get yourself together, you can whiz through those steps. Obviously, then you're not writing, but you can then visualize. And if, you, if you're doing those, you can do a lot during the day. If you find that you're constantly people-pleasing, for example, and you're forever having to do a five-step to deal with the people-pleasing actions that you are falling into, then that's a pattern. So if you see that you're doing something repeatedly and this five-step 
neurocycle hacks in the moment will show you that then you can train yourself to be much you're becoming much more self-regulated then if you see it's a pattern then you need to actually not just do it in the moment you actually need to do a detox over 63 days to see why are you battling with people pleasing that's a symptom of an underlying cause so that's the basic principle and the second part of the book I explain that very very clearly with lots of examples yeah oh well Dr. Lee this has been so good I'm cracking up over here because I think I asked you three of my 20 questions. So oh, that always happens. Maybe I'll just need to bring you on another time. This is <laughs> so good. Um, before we go, I want to make sure where can people get the book, but also connect to you because you have a lot of resources that they can grab, right? I do. I have a lot. Um, well, they can get the book at cleaningupyourmentalmess.com, wherever books are sold. So they can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, they'll find the book. My webpage is drleaf.com and my Instagram handle is Dr. Caroline Leaf. And obviously from the Instagram, you can get, get everywhere. And there's lots of like bro- this information broken down in, in bite-sized chunks in on social, in, in on my Instagram, all the social media platforms on Facebook and Twitter and all that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved how, like you said, you mentioned in the book, you have so many visual illustrations and diagrams and stuff. And I just ate that up. So you guys be sure you grab a copy of this book. Well, thank you again for taking time to come on the show. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I honestly struggled with this part of today's show because I feel as though Dr. Leaf did nothing but get real practical with us in the show today. Because the topic we discussed was cleaning up your mental mess, let's get practical by addressing one area of your life that you know God is calling you to take your thoughts captive. So I'm going to give you two quick questions to ponder. Here's the first question. What area of my life do I feel stuck? And once you come up with that area, I want you to ask, is my thinking in that area toxic? Now, the next part is not so much a question, is more of an action. And it's this, write down the thought and replace it with truth. This is something I love to do with my clients. It is a process of taking thoughts captive, but it's not just taking them captive. It's taking them captive, but then replacing them with truth. All right. And here's the other practical thing that I have to leave you with today. Please, please, please buy Dr. Caroline Leaf's book. I have this book in my hands. I've had it for a few months because I had an advanced reader's copy. It has been such a blessing to me. It is, if you like science, you'll nerd out over science. If you just, I mean, I promise there's so much to learn in this book. And by the way, they're giving away three copies of her book to you listeners. All you have to do to enter is if you're on my email list, you're entered to win. And if you're not on the email list, go to rachelgilbert.com. Click that start here tab and you can sign up there. Well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.